Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week's episode is is really special, man. Uh, It's a really kind of really cool, interesting show. It's something I've never done before in the fact that I've had, uh, we had like four or five people on all at the same time. Um, It's with Rick Nealis, who's the race director of the Marine Corps Marathon, which is one of the most prestigious races on the East Coast going through Washington, D.C. It's incredibly scenic. You go by all sorts of monuments. It's ran by the Marines, which is just incredible. Um, So we talked to Rick, uh, and I also brought a returning guest, Phil Pinty, on as my co-host. So, Phil, welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much for having me back, Chris. Yeah, so I wanted to bring you on because... Although I've heard of the Marine Corps Marathon, when I lived in Virginia, everyone who was a runner talked about it like it was the greatest race of all time. And I really, I, it's one of the regrets I have from living on the East Coast is that I did not get the opportunity to run it. Um, so I wanted to have you on because, you know, you're a multi-time Marine Corps Marathon finisher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I uh, when I first started running, uh, running a marathon distance wasn't even really on my radar. Um, I mean, I did the community 5K, and uh, my golden distance at the time was like a half marathon. Yeah. Um, having having been in the Marines uh, myself, I thought to myself when it was time to make that to get over that hurdle and get myself to the marathon distance, the Marine Corps marathon was going to be the was going to be the race, and. Um, having now run it five, not to toot any horns, but allow me to toot Chris, um, having run it five now consecutive times and getting into the, uh, the illustrious Marine Corps marathon runners club. Um, it was just a pretty much unconscious choice at that, at that point to, if the Marine Corps marathon is going to put on their inaugural Marine Corps marathon 50 K, it was just the, the natural decision to, to jump up to that level. But yeah, man, I, there, I, I feel like there's no other race. I mean, I have run the the Philadelphia Marathon. That's the only other marathon I've run. I am not an elite. I have not run Boston. I have not run New York or Chicago. But, uh, you know, I might be partial having been in the Marines myself, but there's definitely something special about the Marine Corps Marathon. Yeah, and I, the main focus of the show is their expansion into a 50K, their expansion into the ultra world at this point. And we kind of chat with him about what that means for the ultra running community, but what it means for the running community in general, because this is going to be the biggest 50K that has ever been put on. He said he had 1,700 people signed up for it right now, Mm -hmm. which is incredible, man. Can you imagine? (laughs) Dude, we're used to ultras with like, I don't know, maximum 300 people, you know? Mm Yeah. But to run an ultra, to be at mile 30 with one mile to go with 1,700 other people, that's something special. Mm-hmm. So I don't think – and us having run ultras and having to be pretty much self-sufficient in regards to hydration and food and, and all that stuff, like I, I don't know what I'm in store for. I mean, I've run the Marine Corps Marathon numerous times, but to run an ultra in downtown Washington, D.C., I really think at this point there's no better supported ultra, not only on the East Coast but in the in the United States. Like, I mean, there's an aid station practically every three or four miles, and um, 
you know, you're also going to be allowed to run with your hydration pack and, and necessary nutrition. So, you know, it's a great way to, if, if anyone's needing a gateway into the world of ultra running, what better place in the Marine Corps marathon? Yeah. And that's kind of what we get into how it is a gateway, how it is this expansion. It will be this expansion for people who might not otherwise be exposed to ultras, which ultimately I think is the most positive thing this is bringing is it's going to just expand the sport of ultra running even further than it has been. And you know, man, like over the last 10 years, it seems like ultra running is already starting to explode. And I think this is just going to contribute to that. Your, your customers and your, your racers and your runners, I think steer the, the current and um, the Marine Corps marathon is, is doing this, I think to, appease those runners but the the ultra runners have spoken and i mean there's ultras popping up all over the place and you know it was just like i said it was like a a natural choice just to make the jump from the marathon distance to the 50k and how many first time ultra runners there's going to be out there how many people who are return marine corps marathon runners that are like you know what i think it's time to maybe kick it up a notch uh it's going to be it's going to be one heck of an event so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. And um, just to kind of preview in the outro, our plan is for Phil and I to sit down after we we chat up Rick. And also just to give you guys a heads up, we're talking with Brett Schmidt, the operations manager of the race. And uh, and all this, we have to give thanks to Ashley Topoloski. She set this up along with you, Phil, honestly. You guys did a lot of the groundwork to set up the interview. So I'm super psyched for that. But um just to preview guys, uh, in the outro, if you're someone who's signed up for this, this race or any race or your first 50 K, um, Phil and I kind of want to just quickly chat about our own first 50 K experiences to kind of give you guys a heads up about what you're in for. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, man, let's get into it. Uh, this is like a Bigfoot podcast number 143 um with marine corps marathon and marine corps what do they call it ultra marine corps 50k uh race director rick nealis all right guys um welcome to a very special episode of like a bigfoot podcast um first of all this is the first time where i've had four people on at the same time. So I think it would be important to go around and introduce ourselves. Um, so Rick, you want to start us off? Sure. Rick Nealis, N-E-A-L-I-S, race director, Marine Corps Marathon. This is my 27th year directing uh, the organization's uh, premier event. That's awesome, man. And I'm Brett Schmidt. I've been uh, with Mr. Nealis for the last, it'll be my 16th marathon coming up as the operations manager at the Marine Corps Marathon Organization. Wow. And then I brought on a very special guest because, um, and we'll get into this, but I used to live in Danville, Virginia, and every single runner in Danville would tell me about the Marine Corps Marathon and just how it's such a phenomenal race. Uh, I've never personally ran it myself, so I wanted to bring someone on who is a multi-time Marine Corps Marathon kind of veteran at this point. So, <laughs> Phil, man, welcome back. <laughs> I would not go that far, Chris, but uh, it is a complete honor to uh, to be co-hosting with you today. And it's not every day that you get to sit down to uh, have an afternoon with a race director. 
Um, it's completely my privilege to be here with you as your co-host. Uh, I've run the Marine Corps Marathon the last five consecutive years, and I'm anxiously looking forward to running the first, the inaugural Marine Corps Marathon 50K. So thank you very much, Chris. Yeah. And as Phil and I are just uh, kind of a couple of you know, run-of-the-mill ultra runners here. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to dig into the 50K, Rick. Um, so yeah, do you, do you want to kind of give us, I want to hear the background, your background as a race director, your background as sure. an athlete and a Marine. So can you kind of give us the whole, the Rick Nealis story? Well, you know, the, you know like many runners, uh, well, with my age, Growing up uh, in the 70s, I joined the Marine Corps in 1972, the year Frank Shorter got a gold medal in Berlin. So that probably propelled uh, my excitement in running uh, into, into the Marine Corps. And then uh, my first year in the Marine Corps is when the Marine Corps Marathon uh, was established in 1976. And being in the Marine Corps at that time, I remember that that was the largest field of runners for the marathon uh, at 1,017. Uh, and when, if you look back to what happened at New York, where they had 55 finishers, uh, that shows you the comparison in, in a very short time frame, and probably the mystique of the Marine Corps, even in 1976, to be able to get 1,017 runners across the finish line. Uh, a couple years later, I had the opportunity, I, I uh, got stationed on the East Coast, and like a lot of marathon runners, first time marathon runners, 1981, I ran my first Marine Corps marathon, and I did a 311. Wow. Uh, I, I was fast back then. That's I, fast, man. And I hit the wall. And I did a lot of walking. And uh, because I, I wasn't schooled on those long-distance runs, uh, you know, leading up to it. But I came back in 82 and 83, and so I'd run three. My PR is 309 in 1983. Uh, and runners back in those 70, 80s, you know, we're all about speed and going to Boston. I mean, that's that was the the brass ring, uh, you know, uh, in running. And uh, and and now I'll you know, I'll propel myself a little bit later. I had an opportunity to come back, uh, get a couple degrees, and uh, uh, got assigned to the Marine Corps Marathon. And the so in 1993, I uh, was my first year as the race director. Uh, in 19 uh, 94 uh, is the year I was able to coax Oprah to not run Chicago and see Ram Marine Corps. And that probably does, Chris, a couple things. One, I think it, it, it's relevant to the topic today about the ultra that when we snared Oprah and brought that whole awareness to women running and the bucket list. And when you turn 40, you can still change things in your life. I believe what we're doing here in 2019 with this ultra is gonna be the same thing to the sport, be a catalyst to uh, promote the word that, you know, as I grew up, 
and those are in, in the Washington, D.C. area with the JFK 50. You know, you always knew that ultras were the trail runs. They're, they're, uh, and, and they had to be because of uh, the logistics of putting on these races. And you didn't have the, the money and the infrastructure to really support uh, shutting down 100 miles of, of, a, of an urban race. Here we are in, in 2019 on October 27th, and the Marine Corps Marathon 50K will become the largest ultra in the United States in its first year. Yeah. I'm That's, that's impressive. I know you guys, I mean, yeah, what, what's, the, what's the attendance you're kind of, you're aiming for or you're expecting? I put a cap at 1,700. <laughs> And in one hour, we achieved that cap. And I'll tell you, behind the scenes, behind the registration scenes, we had close to, I think it was around 700, 800 other customers who were either on the website, putting their name in, trying to put their credit card information when I closed the door. And basically, the, 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 you know, the, the marching orders for us was not quantity it was going to stay quality something that i would really feel comfortable operationally that we could put on uh work with the partners you know all law enforcement you know anytime you're uh, proposing to spend, i mean we're doing an urban ultra when you look at the the list it's everybody's on trails and in national parks uh this is an urban uh, ultra and to shut down streets and especially in the in the district of washington and you know we maybe joke about that it's only 8k additional miles from a marathon but that's that's big uh, coordination safety uh more law enforcement uh you know we're adding a water point uh, aid station food station so you're adding those other pieces and right there you can see Every time you add something, you need more volunteers, you need yeah. more Marines. Uh, and the, so uh, it's, a, it's a big undertaking, but it was one that I knew. And again, we go back to the roots of, of the Marine Corps Marathon. It's all about the Marines organization skills. And this is going to show the public, it's going to show the ultra world that, you know, the organization skills of the Marine Corps are going to pull this race off. And I think the other piece of this, Chris, is this falls directly in line of our mantra, our philosophy, that we are the people's marathon. And this ultra will become the people's ultra. You know, all the other ultras bring in the people. But I think we're going to do to the sport of ultra and maybe expand uh, this base of a uh, whole different uh, clients you know, of runners that maybe uh, just like me probably heard about ultras and think ah, it's, it's a, it's a 50 miler or a hundred miles. Uh, but the 50 K is, is, is in a lot of people's grass and training. And uh, I, I think we're going to be amazed after this first year, that this catalyst is going to uh, be contagious with other races because they're going to want to mirror this model. 
Yeah. Well, we, uh, Phil and I were talking real quick before we called you guys up. And I think from my perspective, um, this is going to be nothing but a very positive thing for all sorts of ultra endurance events. I mean, like you said, the exposure and the amount of people that are going to be comfortable in taking this on because you're right. Like it is in the, in a city it's on the roads It's from a, obviously a group of people who have put on an amazing event and have proven themselves over the years. And, and I think it's going to help people, like you said, kind of level up They're They might be comfortable with running a marathon. Now maybe they've done a handful and just thinking about signing up for a trail ultra was might've been intimidating, but this is going to really just kind of open that world up. And from my perspective, the more people doing these things, the more people taking on, 50Ks especially, because that's always been my thing where um, I tell my friends, I'm like, really, my only goal is to get people to sign up for 50Ks because that's going to open their whole entire world up, (laughs) you know? So I really think what you guys are doing is not only just a really positive, like a really big positive for ultra running, but I think it's, um, you know, I think it's just, I think it's going to be not like world changing. I don't want to say that, but it's going to definitely change the paradigm of, of the sport. Chris, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to correct you. I think it's going to be world changing. I do. I'll tell you yeah, that this is going to go, uh, you know, we're going, uh, international. It's going to go you know, to the moon and I'll tell you why I'm saying that. I'll tell you, yeah. I'm saying, it's the people's marathon. There's yeah. no prize money, you know, and look who the people, the people who's going to be on the, front lines who's wearing bib number one probably the best ultra runner that we have in the nation uh, and that's michael wardian yeah you know, he is a hometown washington dc native he's always wanted to win the marathon i tell you he's going to show up with the game face and, and and he wants to win this one right out and then if you, if that's not enough you know, probably one of the famous uh, ultra, you know, uh, runners out there also is Dean Karnaz, and he's coming in. So you put Michael Wardian and Dean, and I don't know if that's ever happened before, two of the best runners, I mean, at Marine Corps. And when you put that against the marathon, when you look at my, my female course record is from 1990 it's olga markova who went off to boston and win 92 and 93 nobody's not a a female has been able to break her record my male record is 1988 can you imagine in all these years with new shoes new training and nobody's ever been able to beat the, the marathon records but in this ultra i think you put these two you got Phil going to be on the start line. I mean, we're talking. <laughs> Phil, I got you up there as number three, buddy. No number way. Three. No yeah. way. Unbelievable. <laughs> Phil, you going for the victory, man? Uh, sure. We'll see what we can, uh, what we can pull off. <laughs> no, if I, if I may interject real quick, I don't want to beat up on Chris too much. You know, with, with Rick and with Brett and myself, we got three Marines against a civilian here. But That's true. Not, not to uh, – parody the the website too much i i really think this is going to be a game changer yeah. and you know i've run the marathon maybe i'm a little partial having been in the marines myself but when i when i had that itch when i had that drive to 
take the jump up to the, to the marathon distance, the Marine Corps was going to be the one that I was going to run that race. And I, I had, a, I was wrestling with it this year, having run five Marine Corps and getting myself into the runner's club. And, and thankfully the Marine Corps marathon official, you know, uh, Goldman and, and Rick, and they put out on their website that the, that running the 50 K would still count towards that runner's club. And I said, if there is going to be a Marine Corps mar marathon 50 K I'm running it, you know? So I think you have the, the Marine Corps marathon has time and time again, put on just an excellent, excellent marathon. And uh, they run multiple events throughout the course of the year. And I think, you know, Trail and Ultra better be ready because the Marine Corps is now putting on 50Ks. So yeah. the moon's the limit. Yeah, man. I guess let me kind of backpedal. When I said world... No, no backseat, Chris. <laughs> let me go forward then. When I said world changing, here's what I think I meant by that. Because for me personally, like the moment I stepped up and did my first 50K, um, it changed my world. It changed my like personal perspective of what I could actually accomplish and for you guys to put this on and to to have the opportunity to change the perspective of thousands of people who might be like a thousand people might be first time 50k like first time ultra people I think that is like I think that is honorable because you help build this confidence um in people which is super cool and I jump in there, Chris, since I did uh, uh, announce what the bib number one and number two is going to. Phil, are you there? <laughs> Phil is taking a, he's taking a break, a bathroom break. All right. All right. Well, I was going to tell you, we had a conversation. It just came to me that I already know his bib number. So that's amazing that, you know, so we're not, he's going to be 88088. There you go. That's awesome, man. Eight's my lucky number, so I'll be cheering right. Phil on All for right. sure. All right. So, uh, <laughs> so now we know that. You know, uh, another thing that struck me, Chris, and I think uh, it's worth, uh, you know, when you talk about the People's Marathon, the People's Ultra, uh, I think only the Marine Corps Marathon organization uh, uh, prestige or uh, confidence in other people's uh, ability to know that the Marines or organization uh, skills are going to take care of everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, 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 uh, where I'm going with this is there was a couple things from the marathon uh, that the runners, if I was going to go into the ultra, my concern was with one is account to the Marine Corps marathon running club prestige because every, every five marathons get you a ticket in my running club, you know, a, a certain patch seems small. The second thing is we are probably the only race that the BAA, the Boston Athletic Association, Boston Marathon, is going to allow my ultra runners to hit the marathon mark. And that reading would be where I take the Boston qualifier 
not the finish line for the, the ultra. So there will be a, a Boston qualifier 26.2 that the 1,700 ultra marathon runners have the capability to use an ultra race to go to Boston. And I don't think there's any other race in the United States or in the world that the BAA would ever allow the, for a race to do. Yeah. Uh, so I think uh, that's uh, – so there's uh, already I, – I, I, the 1,700 runners have to have this feeling that we're taking care of them. You know, uh, we're, we're hearing their concerns. We're fixing it. You know, we, we hear about ultras having uh, these elaborate food stations in the woods or something. All right, <laughs> I might not be able to duplicate that, but we will have another food station, another aid station, another water station. I'm going to have a little fun with the food station. I, I, uh, I'm going to have a little fun. And, uh, and only those 1,700 will uh, partake in that uh, buffet. <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that's a very important note because uh, ultra runners can be, although we tend to pick on the road runners as being like ultra picky and snooty and stuff like that. But for your, for your troops that are running this, this ultra, um, I was actually going to ask you, you know, what do Uncrustables, pierogies, pizza rolls, boiled salted potatoes, avocado toast, whatever, whatever that is, and egg and cheese burritos have in common. And I was going to say, They've all been things that I picked up at an ultra aid station. So they don't need to be like lobster rolls or anything like that, but you're going to have to have something extra special for us ultra runners. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, I've already, uh, one of the things we're looking at is the, the tofu. Cause there's a lot of things I could do with tofu. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Phil? Uh, do you want my unedited? <laughs> I was kidding. <clears throat> no, please, please don't, please don't, you know, leak any secrets or anything like that. Like I, I want it to be a surprise, but these ultra runners, you have to keep them satisfied. So yeah, well, Phil, when right. you were Phil, when you were gone, I gave out your bib number, by the way. Number, number three or my actual one? <laughs> no, the, the one you got for the ultra. 88088. I thought Here's it was... Eight oh oh eight, right? Yeah, I've uh, modified it for you. Okay, all right. It sounds good. <laughs> you, got, you got an extra eight. That's yeah. fine. That's fine. That works. Awesome. Chris, real briefly, um, just to add to what Mr. Nunes is saying is, basically, with this fifty uh, k portion, we're basically doing an out and back spur once you cross Key Bridge in Georgetown. So you're basically going to do seven point nine one kilometers out and back on Canal Road where you get the extra food station, an extra water point, and an extra medical aid station. So basically for the entire course, you're gonna be going by uh, 14 water points, 11 medical aid stations, and then five food stations in your during your 50K. Wow. And they'll be, they'll be manned by, uh, the food stations and the water points will be manned by Marines with our volunteers out there assisting the Marines. And then our Naval partners, our Navy support, do all the medical aid stations. So you're probably getting more than most ultras do as far as you know, not seeing a food station, a station for every you know, 10, 15 miles here. You're going to get them every water, every two miles and, and food every three to four miles. Yeah. Well, and I also got to say like just extra motivation wise, if I'm coming into an aid station feeling terrible and there's a bunch of Marines there, it's going to be extra motivating for me personally. I would be like, Oh man, these guys, 
you know, are, are tough. They're like the toughest of the tough. I got to step up, you know, step well, up my game well, right Chris, now. You've got the hair, Chris. So I got to do is put a USMC. <laughs> I was just good. telling Phil that I just got a haircut. Fresh cut. Gonna, we got a, both of our hair did. <laughs> yeah. And that shit that Phil's wearing, you're, you got 2,000 more people cheering for you. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right well i was gonna say about the ultra food i mean if anyone out there is listening to this and they are signed up for the 50k i mean it's it's funny like the difference between a marathon and a 50k to me is part of it is you have to be able to just eat food you have to take calories in and i mean i've eaten some weird stuff at aid stations like handfuls of m&ms mixed with laced potato chips mixed with pickles and then you just throw it all in at once and you know that's the best cocktail of food you can imagine <laughs> but but yeah so you know uh, the one thing i i always heard about the marine corps marathon is uh, kind of like people were saying it's the best way to see washington dc because you run 26 miles you know through various parts of it can you guys kind of speak to that nature and kind of you know talk about what people will see on the 50k course absolutely so the the first uh basically 4.5 miles in uh is in roslyn virginia arlington county it basically starts adjacent to the arlington national cemetery and goes by the marine corps War memorial once you get up into um roslyn you're coming down spout run which is one of our national park service partners and you're crossing the uh, historic key bridge right into georgetown uh of the district of columbia once you get down with the uh, the extra spur that the 50k people are going east uh west on and east on they'll be coming back through, right through m street where huge crowds are on m street and georgetown and then they go down to the waterfront of georgetown from there you basically be able to run rock creek parkway which is our second uh, national park service partner from there you're going to be coming uh past the kennedy center along the potomac river you'll see the lincoln memorial as you continue on you'll go out to east potomac park which is going to be uh along the Potomac River, so you're gonna catch that whole piece. You're coming back off of uh, East Potomac Park, which we've heard is Haynes Point. You hit Independence Avenue, so you're hitting the Jefferson Memorial along the Tidal Basin. You're coming past the Martin Luther King Memorial on Independence Avenue. Do a U-turn there, seeing the Lincoln once again at 23rd in Independence. Then you go back to the east and turn at mile 17 on the marathon course, which would be 17 plus almost five, mile 22 of the 50K. You make a left turn uh, next to the Washington Monuments. From there, you basically hit the National Mall, so you're passing by the National Museum of African American History and all the Smithsonian's along the Madison Drive heading east towards the Capitol. You will run around the Capitol reflecting pool, so you're looking right at the Capitol um, at mile. It's basically 30K on the marathon course, so you add five miles to that. And then from there, you go back along the south side of the National Mall, hitting all the Smithsonian's along that side before you go back into... Um, from District of Columbia, you're going on the 14th Street Bridge. The, probably the toughest portion of that course would be mile 25 of the 50K or mile 20 of the marathon, where you're going onto the HOV lanes, leaving the district, heading back in Virginia. So it's about a mile and a half to mile and three quarters stretch where you basically have no shade, could be uh, you know out in the wind because you're on the HOV lanes on Interstate I-395 going back into Virginia. Wow. We, did add, we did add Water Monster on the bridge last year, which was a big hit for the marathoners. So the 50K people will have that to look forward to. Once you come off of the bridge, though, and you get past that difficult portion, then you hit the Crystal City portion of Arlington County before you head north and go right past the Pentagon. 
and finished up at the Marine Corps War Memorial. That's awesome. So, and I've, I, I heard the finish line is just incredibly unique because it's lined with Marines. Is that correct? It is. It's, uh, you know, it's the, the forte of, uh, you know, when you finish, the first thing that hits you is that you're in front of that Marine Corps War Memorial, the, the six Marines who raised the flag on Mount Sarabachi. Uh, and you, our runners, basically, even though it's about 110, 120 feet elevation change, feel that they're going up their Mount Sarabachi to get to that finish line. And then when that Marine, that uh, second lieutenant from the basic school, uh, puts that medal around your neck and uh, gives you a salute, or you know, if you want a hug or you want to do that selfie with that Marine, uh, it's a, a magic connection is really, again, why the Marine Corps is doing it. We're getting our the American public to see that these young men and women who are entrusted to the Marine Corps to serve their country are just that. They're young Americans. Uh, and it's not what you maybe see on TV and some of the, the, the movies, that these are uh, the best of the our nation has to offer. And uh, it's just a privilege to have those Marines on the finish line. Yeah. Yeah, Rick. So can you kind of... Like, can you kind of paint the picture of what this race was like when you first ran it and how it's changed? Like beyond just the fact that you're adding the 50K, which obviously is a huge change, but how has it kind of transformed over the years? Most people are surprised that uh, throughout the years, 26.2 miles is still 26.2 miles. <laughs> so uh, that 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 is a given. So uh but I'll, I'll tell you what is, is, is that, I, that I remember in 81, I think, is the freedom, uh, the, the openness, the, the looseness that we had as runners. Uh, and the, the infrastructure was probably not there. The, the dependency on the, the, the uh, water stations every two miles, I would, uh, it's probably something I would probably guess that it was probably more like four miles apart at those days and then i don't think we probably gave maybe any food out at all in the in the 80s it was just water you know the, the gatorade really didn't come along you know from university of florida uh for another couple of years and uh so it was really basic and i think like as i mentioned earlier the the, the runner that was towing the line was was a seasoned runner that uh, has worked his way up through the 5K, 10Ks, the, the half marathons. Cause he, and, and speed was part of our uh, daily uh, training. Uh, today, it's different. You get my 30,000 runners across the three races, uh, or two races, and, you know, we have the charities. You know, we have the people that are looking for the bucket list. And, and that's all good, you know. Uh, so you have a... a you have a different uh, sort of runner, jogger, walker, uh, competitor that's on the start line. Uh, the the logistics. I mean, since nine eleven, you know, uh, let's let's face it. The last 17, 18 years, security at Marine Corps Marathon uh, is is huge. It, it was huge before. Uh, well, uh, we were we were doing security 
before 9-11, it, it elevated that year. And then, of course, what happened in 2013, and then you go yeah. two years later with what happened out at Vegas. Uh, so every year, the, the, the security to, to put this safe race on in our nation's capital is uh, really, uh, hopefully, you know, we try to make it as uh, in the shadows, because my goal has always been that first-time marathon runner should only be experiencing or focus on putting that foot in front and running. Same with the ultra. They shouldn't yeah. be worried about the, the support or the safety or the security. All they should be focused on is what they're going to do. Uh, yeah. And if their training has got them to the level that it needs to be on that day. Yeah. So, uh, so in a lot of ways, it's, it's much better today because we are reaching into other uh, demographics and we are changing people's lifestyles. I mean, uh, we know that people run only one and never come back to our sport, but the fact that they come, I think is life-changing. I've always said marathon running, ultra running, uh, changes people's lives. They always go back a connection. Nobody ever asked me what my batting average was back in 1981. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me what my bowling score when I was in a bowling league in 1983. But we do as runners, we do go back and, and ask about our personal best, our personal record, you know, and we all know 428.15 is our Alamo. That's Oprah. And you're going to beat 428.15. And, uh, and, you know, so we have those things in our sport. And, uh, and I think that's what makes it unique. I was going to, before I forget, because things come into my mind, Chris, and yeah. I think two things I really wanted to focus on. One, I think in the ultra business, in the ultra sport, we've always had time trials or time, uh, time goals, you know, because you're in the – a lot of times in the parks and you got to get to a certain spot where we don't let you go. And, and, yeah. and I think the ultra uh, competitor always knew that he had to be at a certain spot. Racing, for, racing against cutoffs. Yeah. Like racing cutoffs against cutoffs. And, yes. and, and we will have those at, at Marine Corps because using the same cutoffs for our ultra runners. So we have two gauntlets and we have to beat the bridge at 13, 15. So that is the, the whole sole purpose of why the ultra runners are going to go out 25 minutes before gotcha. the main field. So at 7.30, uh, our 1,700 runners will go downfield. Uh, our timetables, if we are as good as we think we are, is that after they do that uh, left-hand turn at, uh, when they cross the key bridge and do their next five miles – if you're an eight-minute miler, I believe you will come to what will be your mile nine, but the marathon mile four, and that runner at mile four is going to be an eight-minute miler. So theoretically, you should be step-in-step step with those runners and not be impeded uh, by being uh, behind other runners. So that's yeah. my goal is that the ultra marathon is going to have – the, the ideal running, they're going out first. They're, uh, they're getting the little uh, non, 
marathon uh, leg done early. Uh, it is a portion of the, tr uh, of the race that will be uh, lower on the spectators, but the ultra runners are not going to need that at mile four to mile nine because they're going to be fresh and strong. So when they insert themselves back into the marathon, they're going to get all the, the support of Georgetown and the mall. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. and then, uh, I think when Phil comes across the finish line, uh, he's going to reassure me that all, all my logistics and operational and my execution worked uh, phenomenally. Yeah. That, that's a very that's a very important thing to bring up because uh, I mean I think my average in the Marine Corps like overall minutes per mile uh, is like just under nine minutes. So I mean I don't want to use myself as a gauge, but please allow me to. And I mean if you were if I'm if I'm running that pace at the beginning of the marathon or the 50k, there's a good potential that I could even be out ahead of the uh, the marathon pack. And uh, if somebody's looking at the Marine Corps marathon 50k to PR. I don't know of any other ultra hearing Brett bring up all the uh, aid stations and water points and food points. I mean, ultra runners run with these goofy backpacks and hydration packs and all this stuff. I'm joking, of course, but I don't think there's a better chance. You're not always running for PRs or to do your best, your absolute best, but Marine Corps marathon. I mean, I don't think there's another better supported ultra out there. Yeah, man. Well, so I was actually wondering what you think about this, Rick. So we talked about how this might, or this will change the ultra running community. But what do you think about the marathon community? Like, do you think I, this is obviously going to have an impact on other races around the country. Um, people who are running marathons, like I just feel like year two, when you do this, cause you guys are doing year one right now, but when you're doing it year two, you're going to have more people wanting to sign up for the 50 K now. Like it's just going to grow and grow and grow. Things that you're doing, Chris, is exactly what's going to propel this. The word is going to get out. We did it. I am amazed when I talk to somebody who has are clueless. Uh, uh, and I thought, where did we go wrong in promoting it? But at the same time, over these last three months, I've probably heard the conversation of ultra distance. 50k 50 milers more than probably in the last 10 years yeah uh, i mean the, the people who probably talked in the last 10 years were those who wanted to do the jfk 50 miler or you know uh go out and, and go run through the desert or you know up to the, the mountains uh so the fact that runners are talking about it the, the questions you know people asking where where do I find a training plan to help me, you know, to do this extra distance? You know, do I need to do, uh, you know, uh, uh, more than 26 miles in a, in a training plan? And, you know, the answer is probably no, you don't. You yeah. know, it's a different mi mindset. It's a, you know, it's a, just a whole different uh, game plan. And, 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 that, and I think what we're doing today and people like Phil who's experienced is getting is, are going to be the the role models and the educators of this new breed of uh, runners that are you know the you know we talk about the millennials they're, they're looking for something new and the fact that I think we're going to offer and and and, uh, and just make the awareness know that you know one 
you can the the goal is achievable you know it's 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 a little bit more work it's a little bit more miles but it's not uh it's not far fetched and uh you know you're still doing uh, you're still running and you you know it's not crossing over into the into the triathlon world and you say oh, i got to get a bike and where i got to find a swimming pool yeah. and uh, you know this is you know we're doing what we do we run and yeah. uh, you know uh, and, you know it's not like another event that I'm putting on for the first time this year, the ruck, you know, Boston just finished up with the ruck and, you know, so, you know, if you're doing that, you got to get a, a backpack, a ruck and put 20 pounds of weight or something on there and go out in the woods and do it. And we're putting one of those on th this year. So really I, in my 27 years, I probably have been more open to new ideas and, uh, to keep that, uh, to not get stale, not to rest on our laurels. And I think that's what's uh, going to be, uh, you know, we're never going to give up the marathon, but this is going to be a nice uh, compliment uh, in, on that weekend. Yeah. I think like just the mixture of seasoned ultra runners mixed with new, like beginners, newbies, um, there's going to be conversations during the race. Cause I know for me during ultra runs, one one of my favorite experiences is talking to the fellow racers, you know, and bouncing ideas off of them. And so you get that and that's going to help people make it through the 31 miles, but also eventually fall in love with it. Because I don't know about you, Phil, but for me, it's like you get done with a 50K and you're kind of thinking to yourself, I'm never going to run one of these again. And then like two or three days later, all you can think about is signing up again. You know, because you you have that separation of of the from the pain. <laughs> I don't I don't want to get all sentimental or uh, make it a personal thing, but in, in the summer of two thousand two is when I went to boot camp. And when you finish up boot camp and you make it through that thirteen weeks of training, and you're away from home and mom and dad and all that stuff, and when that drill instructor gives you that Eagle Globe and anchor that EGA, there is no other feeling like that I've ever I've ever experienced, and. Uh, I have to be honest, going into my first Marine Corps back in 2014, I heard about how special the finish was. And I heard how amazing it was looking at the Iwo Jima Memorial and getting saluted or getting a handshake or getting a hug from a Marine. And I'll tell you what, there's, that's as close as you'll get to getting an Eagle Globe and Anchor down at Paris Island. And I think that, um, you know, Rick, you had said earlier that there are a lot of people who run marathons as just kind of like a bucket list thing you know, that one once and done type type deal. And, you know, it's just coming off a of Boston marathon weekend and everything like that. Like that might apply to Boston or that might apply to New York. But the thing with the Marine Corps marathon is like, it's a feeling and it's ex an experience like any other, like it's unlike any other. And I may be partial having served and I might not, not everybody who runs a Marine Corps marathon is going to be a return runner and, and want to get themselves into the runner's club and everything like that. But I think, I, I really think that what, the Marine Corps marathon is doing right now is, is nothing short of like lightning in a bottle because you have the people that come back year after year after year to run the marathon. And this is giving them that little extra bit. And just as that first person comes up to the starting line, who's never run more than a half marathon and they've run their first Marine Corps marathon and they say to themselves, what's next, what's the next big adventure, you know? And for, for somebody like me, the Marine Corps Marathon was not getting stale, not to toot my own horn. I'm pretty, pretty good at doing that, but it wasn't getting stale. And I would still come back year after year after year. But I mean, 
how many people is this going to just open up that world of ultra running to that say themselves, I did the Marine Corps marathon 50 K and they're going to be up on ultra sign up that Monday metal Monday. And they're going to be signing up for the next one. I just, I think, you know, I know I'm talking right directly to Rick Nealis and the bread and I, I can't thank you enough and what this means to me, but I, I really, I can't commend you guys enough. I think this is a, a really great idea. <clears throat> well, Bill, the only thing I noticed you left out, you, you know, uh, what about that photo at the end with the race director? Is that <laughs> special? That's absolutely special. Of course it is. But I mean, is everybody going to have an opportunity to get a picture with the race director? I try. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so well, really briefly, I wanted to, Chris, let you know that this really was an idea that started last summer and we kind of threw it at uh, the race director, Mr. Needless, to get his feel for it. And he basically said, you know, let's, let's look at it and go for it. So after the marathon, when we met with our partners for our after action reviews, which we always do with whether it's our staff, all our partners, we pretty much said, hey, we're looking at this for 2019 to do a 50K and here's our plan. And the fact that we're able to have those Marines trained properly and the sailors trained properly to, to put the race on, they never hesitated. Between seven law enforcement agencies we work with, three separate park services, all the different uh, advisory neighborhood commissions in the District of Columbia we have to get approval from, the Mayor's Special Land Task Group, the Arlington County, so all, there's about 33 different partners that could have said no to us. So based on all our partners, Chris, that when we had the after-action reviews last fall, following the marathon, they never, the partners that we could have shut us down for this 50K never once hesitated, never said That's no awesome. between seven law enforcement agencies, three park services, and a lot of other partners. Well, and I think that speaks to the work you guys have done and this like legacy you, you've built over the years. And I kind of wanted to ask about that a little bit because I've interviewed race directors before and it's really interesting to me because I feel like the race itself kind of takes after the race director, uh, if that makes any sense. And so in what kind of ways do you think the Marine Corps Marathon takes after you, Rick, or, or Brett, or the people who help you out um, to put this thing on? Well, you know, I, I think that the first is, you know, my 23 years, uh, you know, I, I signed up when I was 18 in 1972, Vietnam was going on. And, uh, and then, you know, to uh, take the uniform off and the very next day show up at work at, at Quantico and, uh, and continue to, the march is, you know, over this, uh, you know, 40, 48, 47 years, uh, uh, the, the single, you know, the thing that drives me is one, the, you know, the, the belief in the Marine Corps, uh, I guess, uh, the belief in, in the health and fitness that, you know, and the, and the belief that, you know, that we owe something to the community. And, and, and that's a broad term when you talk to community. And, and in this case, you know, we're now, we owe something to the ultra community. You know, we owe, we owe the, to the RRCA, the running community, the road, the running USA. Uh, we owe it, you know, the economic impact that we do for the Washington DC area. But, uh, but this year, you know, we're taking on a new community 
that we're going to embrace in a, in a big way and uh, not to have it overshadow the marathon or the 10K or the kids race. But this is a compliment to what the Marine Corps wants to do and, and be about. And so the first thing is, is that the honor of being a Marine uh, and working with Marines here at, at Marine Corps Base Quantico, where our headquarters is. The second thing is what I'm from the running community. I was a runner and to be, you know, privileged to be able to, uh, to work among runners who have the same, you know, mindset as Marines. You know, we talk about physical fitness, you know, physical courage, dedication, uh, determination. I mean, the, the same traits that we look at young men and women to have in the Marine Corps are the same traits good long distance runners have because if you're not dedicated to do your training models, if you don't have the courage to, to know the difference between pain and, and, and exertion and, and, and what your body's telling you. And if you're, uh, you know, if you're just not, uh, you're a, you're an a type person because you have to have these training plans and you have to be, goal oriented and you have to be uh you mentioned it you know you know we talk to people you know that are running partners you know we promote that to, you know you do these long runs you really you know uh you if you go out with a partner uh it, it, it gets you up on saturday mornings at six o'clock or you know uh, because you don't want to let the other runner down on those training runs same thing with marines you know, we don't want that Marine on the right or the left to be let down. And it's our duty to support him and to help him to make the mission. And so when you look at that over the 40 years that I was able to still work with the Marines, still work with uh, my fellow runners, uh, it is the dream job. I, 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 you know, I'm very blessed that, uh, you know, Oprah changed my life. If I didn't meet her at Charleston at a, at a Cooper River Bridge run, uh, you know, I was, uh, I'd probably be doing something different these days. But uh, uh, so I, I, I try to stay grounded uh, in my, uh, you know, of, of the privilege of being a, a race director and having, you know, over 2,000 Marines and sailors out there on race day and all the law enforcement communities that we have and uh, the, the partnerships and the uh, just great men and women. And then also, you know, when you look at the last 18 years, this is a patriotic race. Our nation's at war. Sometimes we forget that. Today, we are at war. And our Marines and sailors are in harm's way all across the globe. And if we can educate the American public that, you know, these Marines are, you know, giving us the liberties and freedoms that we deserve to run, then I think we're doing our, our, our mission of educating and enlightening people about all the good things our sport has. Yeah. Chris, from my perspective, you, you, to answer your question about how the race director's personality takes on, you know, the event itself, uh, my observations uh, of Mr. Needless, 16 years working for him, but prior to that, I, I ran and coached the Marine Corps running team. But I think from my perspective as his operations manager, that this 
race is a positive can-do attitude because of Rick's personality. He uh, crossed the running community at Running USA Conference, uh, IAAF, wherever you go, it's the Marine Corps Marathon is synonymous with Rick. Not Rick Neelis or Mr. Neelis or Major Neelis, it's Rick. Everybody knows, you know, is Rick here? Went to Cherry Blossom two weeks ago. Where is Rick? Why is he not here? So it's really his positive, upbeat attitude, the face of the marathon for the last 27 years. And because of him, I think the, the race has grown as it, as it has. And he's given us the ability as staff. And uh, he, every two to three years, he's got to work with a new base commander, new commandants of the Marine Corps. So anybody that's been associated with the race, whether it's a Marine or a civilian Marine, as we call ourselves, understand that it's a positive experience and that's really what I think the personality that he brings to the table of being the race director for 27 years. Yeah. Well, and I think that's huge for the runners to see too, because it, it gets hard, you know, a 50 K is hard. A marathon's hard. I mean, even people, if they're a beginner, you know, if you're starting to run and a 10 K is hard, like you have to maintain that positivity and to see it from the top down is, is really inspirational. I don't want to get too uh, personal again, but uh, being a veteran and having run the Marine Corps, the amount of um, injured injured veterans or uh, veterans in, in carts or strollers or, you know, when, when we run that blue mile on Haynes Point, uh, just the, the emotion and the, the, the widows or the, the, the parents who've lost children. And, um, you know, I, I, that's definitely another thing that makes the Marine Corps Marathon just different on like a human level. Yeah. And, um, for, for fellow Marines, uh, I know a lot of veterans that when you, when you come back or when you get out of the core, you kind of feel lost. You kind of feel like you've lost your purpose and stuff. And, um, whether you served or you didn't serve like the Marine Corps marathon, I know for many people is, uh, you know, to, to, to put something on the calendar six months out, eight months out, it gives you something to train for. It gets you something to look forward to. And, um, you know, on a human standpoint, I think we're, we're helping people kind of reintegrate back into society or, or if there's something they're battling with or, you know, anxiety or depression or, or they've lost somebody or something like that. Like I just, I've seen so many inspirational folks towing up at the starting line of the Marine Corps marathon. I mean, I'm sure that's the same thing everywhere, but the Marine Corps marathon just has its own distinct feeling, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, Rick, is that intentional? I mean, are you, do you, do you realize, is it, it has to be hard having like being such a gigantic race. It has to be hard to really fully comprehend the individual impact you have. You know, I, I almost starting to, you know, I, I'm choking up here a little bit, you know, cause it, you know, it, it is, uh, Phil touches on it. it. It's, you know, it's not about me. Uh, and, you know, and, and at the end, I, I don't know if I'd say it's about the Marine Corps. You know, we're putting on a, a road race for the runner, you know, the, the American runner, the international runners that we have. And, and this sport has so many races and so many events out there that these people can choose from. And, you know, and what does make the difference the marines make the difference the marathon of the monuments make the difference you know the our nation's capital makes the difference the fact that we overlook speed on a course 
for the sake of having more monuments to look at. Uh, you know, if we were worried about speed, you probably would not have a blue mile because you want people to focus on running. And we're, I think, entrusted with the Marine Corps Marathon and the Marine Corps Ultra now, uh, entrusted to, uh, I guess keep the beauty. You asked me back when I ran in 81 and I talk about the simplicity and the openness and, uh, you know, we all would like to get back to that. And, and, and that's always in the back of my mind, how in this day and age with security and operational and the fact that it's, you know, three, four times bigger than what I experienced in 1981. How do we keep that simple, feeling that makes us good about our sport and not lose people to the masses to the uh, where it becomes a business yeah and not a and not a love yeah and that's uh, that's probably one of mine is that we can't we should not ever have this as a business you know we've always operated on a what i call a balanced budget uh, we you know we the money that comes in basically is the money that pays the bills for this uh, this massive uh, race and and uh, and uh, and it should be about the love. You know, I, I know it's a it's a simple cliche, but it's uh, it really is. It's the people who show up love the sport. They love the Marines. They love this country. You know uh, the fact that we start next to. The fact that we start next to Arlington Cemetery, uh, hollow grounds of our, uh, you know, military uh, who paid the ultimate price. The fact that we run by 40 yards, uh, the, the Pentagon that was attacked on, on 9-11. The fact that we finish at a, in front of a Marine Corps war memorial of all the, the battles since 1970, uh, that the Marine Corps has fought in. Uh, is uh uh yeah it, it it's an emotional it's yeah. choked me up and uh i am very uh uh honored and uh, privileged to do what i do yeah yeah well i think that's probably a pretty good place to wrap it up phil do you got do you have any more kind of ideas you want to you want to make sure we we chat with rick about i mean i guess rick while phil's thinking i have to ask about oprah <laughs> I'm sure you've been asked like a billion times at this point. Um, how'd you get Oprah to run your, this is the only marathon she's ever ran. How did, how did she decide the Marine Corps was the one she wanted to do? Uh, a good friend of mine was the race director at Cooper river bridge run. I was, okay. running, I was running the 10 K over the old bridge there. Uh, she was training for Chicago. So she apparently had picked that race. Uh, and uh, her, you know, Bob Green, her training uh, partner, her, his, her coach was with her as well as Stedman. And uh, my race director friend said, you're never going to believe who's on the start line. And I said, well, you have to give me your information. Uh, he gave up her information. This is before emails and texting. And I did a handwritten letter and wrote that I understood that she had threats on her life about uh, the beef hormones uh, that she had talked about, you know, in the, in the, in the meat. And uh, 
People from Texas and Oklahoma were not thrilled with Oprah because when Oprah says don't eat beef, people don't <laughs> eat beef. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wrote a letter and said, run with the Marines, we'll protect you. And somebody read it at Harpo Production and next thing you know it, uh, she was on my start line. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's incredible. And what then, what was her experience like? I mean, did she, because everyone, when you finish a marathon, you decompress or, you know, or even an ultra or any of these hard events, you kind of like decompress and talk about it and think about it. Like what was her reaction after she ran? Chris, there's, there's two things come to mind in my 27 years. The most harsh running conditions was in 1994. <laughs> oh, so we got Oprah running in 1994 in rain, cold. The national, Amby Burford, Boston Marathon winner, editor of Runner's World is running next to her. The National the Enquirer, the star, everybody from the, the media is waiting for Oprah to basically fall out or do something wrong. She hmm. didn't. She persevered that day as any first-time marathoner. If you look at woman's clothing in 1994, it's amazing with all the money that Oprah had even then that the clothing was not advanced to be running in the rain for four hours and 28 minutes and 15 seconds. So so I give her a lot of credit uh, that she had a lot of – a lot of eyes on that the rest of us don't have. You know, wait, somebody's waiting for her to make the mistake. Tough conditions. And uh, she came across and, uh, you know, uh, when you look at the wall at the Marine Corps Marathon, it's the smallest medal that we, we ever have given at, at this race. So here's the most important marathon runner, you know, in our history. And it's the year we give the smallest medal. That just goes to show, though, it's not all about the medal at the end. It's, it's the not about the medal. Yeah. It, I think you know, if you ask her, she probably tells you that is the most inspirational, biggest medal in the world. Yeah. But, uh, and it's absolutely right. And uh, so, it's, so she was actually a joy. Uh, you know, and that was the same goal I had in 1994, that she's a first-time marathon runner. And we, you know, we did some – things to protect her from the paparazzi and uh but that was only to allow her to run uh the race as a first-time marathon runner yeah that's awesome that's so cool so phil do you got any any like things you definitely want to bring up before we kind of sign off here well while i have the opportunity i just want to thank rick and brett again uh this is a true honor to be uh, co-hosting with chris today and um I just, I, I, I don't know if it's so much of a question as just, I think as a race director and operations manager, like your goal is to get folks, get civilians across the finish line, uh, whether they're running, they're walking, they're crawling. Um, just something, I don't want to say to take into consideration, but for any maybe first time, there's potentially first time ultra runners who, who will be listening to this podcast. And, you know, we have months, it's April. You have until October to get yourselves ready and everything like that. But, you know, I know this isn't so much about training plans or nutrition or anything, but um, my my personal goal, you know, having run this marathon repeated times is just I'd love to see not only America's biggest road ultra, urban ultra, but 
the most ultra finishers period, you know, in a, in a road event. So anyone who's listening to this, if, if you need to look into a program or talk with other ultra runners or anything like that, like that jump may only be five or six miles from marathon to ultra to 50 K, but it can come up and bite you in the butt and just make sure you're going at this thing with intention and you know what you're getting into. And I look forward to seeing everybody at the, uh, the finish of the, of the 50 K. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great way to kind of wrap up here. I mean, first of all, just from a race perspective, anytime Mike Wardian races, I'm interested, you know what I mean? <laughs> like I want to see how he does on our road for 50 K. Like I think that guy's going to tear it up. So that'll be cool to watch. Um, and Rick, I got to also give a shout out. My friend, Wesley Turner from Danville, Virginia. Uh, he was in residency, medical residency with my wife. He got second at the Marine Corps marathon a few years ago, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. I don't know who beat him though. I'm not sure. Cause he actually told me he's, he's raced against uh Wardian a couple of times and how cool that guy is. Well, uh, if he, he's got second, Michael's, I think his best show is third at one of our races. So, uh, so, uh, but yeah, it, it uh, I, with this being the, the inaugural and, uh, yeah. and the first year that, uh, I think, uh, coming, coming off the year Mike Wardian's had, uh, yeah, I'm not a gambling man, but <laughs> Now, I was taught we have the, the, the Royal Marines here on board Quantico, and uh, Wardian's next race is that uh, race over in, in England, uh, man against uh, horse, beast. No uh, way. So, <laughs> anybody who can win that purse, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on Mike to, to beat this horse race. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. That is incredible. I That's think so cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris, next, next summer, you want to go race some horses? Yeah, man. Let's do it. <laughs> you know what? We're in Colorado. Here's an idea, Rick, for the future. In Colorado, we have this thing called burrow racing where you run a marathon, but you're tied to a donkey. So just throwing that out there. I have seen uh, Bart Yasso's photo <laughs> at that burrow race. And I yeah. think he was, he was running forward and the burrow was running backward or something. <laughs> Well, that's what they say. They say, uh, you know, the first half of the race, the burrow's dragging you and yeah. you're going at a pace you don't want to run at. And then the second half, half of the race, you have to drag it basically to get it going. So uh, definitely a Colorado sport if there ever is one. So You know what? I need to come back to Colorado. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> after having a bad, bad experience in Boulder, Boulder, I need to come back. Oh man, right now I'm actually in the midst of uh helping out train some seventh graders for the Boulder Boulder. So, you know, uh <laughs> get them to take on that big 10K. There you go. <laughs> well, well, Rick, Brett, thank you so much. I want to thank Ashley. Um we're trying to figure out how to say her last name. <laughs> Topoloski. Topoloski, of course. Of thank course. you. Of course. That's exactly what Phil and I were saying. But thank you so much for setting up this podcast. Um, it was really interesting to me. I think, the, I think this 50K is going to 
be groundbreaking. So I'm excited to to see it and and check it out and hear how Phil does. See if he's crying at the finish line, like as his feet are destroyed. And you know, <laughs> I normally cry at the starting line. <laughs> <laughs> so, otherwise, thank you guys so much for sharing your time with us. Uh, and best of luck with everything in the future. Thanks, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Phil. Thank you, guys. Hoorah. Thank All right. So that wraps up the interview. Uh, huge thanks to Rick, Brett, and Ashley. You guys are incredible. You're putting on something really, really special, and I hope to be a part of it someday. And Phil, thank you for coming on the show um, and being a co-host this episode. And for this little experiment with a co-host and, you know, four people at once. Yeah. Dude, I, the thanks goes only one way, and that's towards you. And I, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to uh, sit, sit down with you today and uh, race director Rick Nielis and Brett Schmidt. So thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. yeah. yeah. well, my wife's holding my seven-week-old right by my face. <laughs> so this is her first appearance on the podcast. Millie? You hear some grunts there? <laughs> glorious. <laughs> yeah, um, so real quick, just so my wife knows in this outro for a few minutes. Um, I want to talk to you, Phil, just about your first 50 K your experience doing that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and kind of get into it because I, I have a feeling some people might be listening to this who are signed up for the Marine Corps 50 K. Cause we talked a lot about how it's kind of like going to be a gateway into ultras for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, dude, I, a 50 K like those last, five miles from the marathon beyond like what does that feel like yeah well i just want to take a moment real quick um while i'm while i'm here with you uh that's a huge jump like it it, it's not mileage wise it's not that big of a deal but like you know my first marathon was the marine corps in 2014 and then my first ultra was the mid maryland 2017 so you know there's there's pretty much a three-year difference in between there and not that I want to take this opportunity as kind of like a, a PSA, a public service announcement, but I mean, ultimately this podcast was about getting the Marine Corps Marathon and the ultra, ultimately the ultra out to the running community and out to the ultra community. But I'd like to just take a moment to say, you know, us being in April now and the Marine Corps being in October, yeah, you got a lot of time to, yeah, to train to, and I guess just understand the severity the seriousness of like what you're undertaking, because I mean, that first ultra it you're entering a whole different stratosphere, man. Like, I mean, cause the first, I don't want to detract from, from jumping up to the marathon distance, but like for some reason making that extra leap to the ultra, you feel like you are like, while you're running it, you feel like you're dying. And yeah. then when you finish it, you feel like you're superhuman and you're like, what else can I, can I pick up a car or, you know, so it's, <laughs> We need to, I, I want to just, if there's anything personally I can add, it's just that like, you know, people understand because I've seen some st- statistics and everything. And Rick says, you know, there's 1700 people registered for this thing. I'd like to know how many first time ultra runners there are. Yeah. And if this is your first ultra, do not take it lightly. Like I'm not trying to scare anyone, obviously, but yeah. just understand with great power comes great responsibility. uh yeah man i just for me personally like training wise i think if you get a run or two above 20 miles whether that's 23 miles 26 miles whatever Mm -hmm. if you get a run above that distance 
you're good. Like that's training. You don't have to run 30 miles. You don't have to run. You don't even have to run probably like 28, 27. You might not even have to run a marathon. You know, you get that training in. And I think the biggest thing you have to realize is your joints need to get used to the constant pounding, you know, Mm -hmm. like your feet. My, I remember my first 50 K I ran one in Charlotte. It was can't remember what it's called like the wc 50k or something and my feet hurt so bad and that was the biggest thing is like understanding like your joints are going to be in pain and you can actually kind of train your your actual like knees and your feet and your hips to get used to the distance but you also don't want to overdo it you know mm-hmm. like you don't want to overtrain. i mean i think a couple solid 20 mile runs a month beforehand is probably what you need, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to let everyone in on a little Phil Pinty secret here. Oh boy. <laughs> Where are we going with this one? No. Um, <laughs> when I ran my first, my first ultra in February of 2017, the, the longest distance I had run prior to that was the Marine Corps marathon in yeah. October. And due to some other extenuating circumstances, I, I did not run any distance beyond a marathon I, pretty much my last long run was the Marine Corps marathon. Yeah. So my guidance to everyone listening is to not follow that plan because you will be in a world of hurt when you're running the ultra. You don't want to overdo it. Yeah. You don't want to underestimate it. You want to respect if somebody, what I'm, who I'm ultimately speaking to is if someone has never run a marathon distance, and maybe the longest they've ever run is the the neighborhood 10K or maybe a half marathon, you need to get yourself not only in the physical condition, but also like the mental conditioning of like, you need to keep moving even when your body does not want to move. And like, obviously I'm not saying don't do anything that's unhealthy. You know, don't be stupid. If you If you're feeling pain and stuff like that, like don't continually push yourself. If you're injured, seek the appropriate course of action. But you need to mentally train yourself that you have to keep moving to the finish line because the cutoff for the Marine Corps Marathon 50K is a 12:30 average pace. And although that seems very genuine, generous, if you're, you know, if you're running 11-minute miles for the first 10 miles or the first half of it, it's going to be very. You're going to be chasing cutoffs all day long. And if you've never heard that term prior to running ultra running, you're going to get used to hearing the term chasing cutoffs and like. There is no better condition, no better opportunity to run an ultra than potentially the Marine Corps Marathon 50K because you're going to have these aid stations. Yeah. You're going to have hydration, hydration stations and food and, and support and the Marines behind your back. But like, you need to be realistic and you need to look at how you're training for this thing. And you to be in a comfortable zone, you would probably run want to run a half marathon in like that 10 to 11 minute average per mile let's be realistic. Like, I mean, you do not want to go into this thing and hurt yourself. And, um, you know, I just want everybody, like, I don't, like I said, I don't want to scare anybody off. And I know the main focus of this podcast is the Marine Corps 50 K. But like, if you're going to sign up for something, if you're going to put yourself out there, go into it the best, the best way that you can, you know? So. Yeah. And having that commitment to your training, it's going to pay off in ways that aren't even like, it's going to pay off beyond just finishing a 50 K it's going to mm-hmm. like being committed to the training. I mean, dude, you know, like I, I'm looking, I look forward to races race day itself 
because race day itself might not be the hardest thing. The training, waking up by myself at four in the morning to get out there and finish what I said I was going to finish to prepare myself. That's where I actually learn a lot of the lessons. And that's where it is like the the hardest part sometimes. Um, And you're talking about pain. You have to understand too, like, of course, there's going to be pain. You're, run, you're running for 31 miles, you know? Um, there, there's a part of the Marine Corps Marathon. Uh, I, I may bugle this or something, but uh, it, it's like the, the beating the bridge. Or there's this yeah. one part, I think Brick or Brett was talking about it earlier, but like you, you go up on this overpass and you're on a bridge for like a quarter mile, maybe a half a mile, and the winds are crazy out there. Yeah. They put a water buffalo or whatever they call it out there last year, but even for the marathon runners getting to that point, I I've hit the wall there numerous times. And like, no matter how well I was trained for the Marine Corps marathon. So like you have to understand that, like, and it's it, unexperienced runners out there, newbies hitting the wall is kind of when your body, I don't want to say it's like shutting down. That sounds like way too serious, but like we've all experienced a, a Charlie horse or a, a muscle tense tenseness that we have to kind of run through. And my first Marine Corps marathon, I experienced hitting the wall and I really thought I was dying. Like, I mean, I was walking like Frankenstein and my legs just, you you have to almost come to a walk so you don't injure yourself. And that would be my thing is like, do whatever you need to do. Take it seriously. I almost went almost into like a maternal, when, when mothers are going through like labor and stuff like that, like, you know, they call it like late, you know, labored breathing or whatever, but like, you almost have to kind of like focus on your breathing and focus on just being in the present. And, um, you can get yourself through that, but like, you know, make sure you have adequate hydration, adequate nutrition, and, uh, just take it, take the training seriously, because I mean, they, the Marine Corps marathon and those Marines out there in the course are going to do everything they possibly can to see as many runners as they can through the finish line. But ultimately it's a, it's a personal dedication to what you've signed up for and what you're going to be a part of. I mean, this is the inaugural Marine Corps 50K. This is a huge, I mean, the Marine Corps Marathon in itself is kind of a big deal. It's kind of a, it's an overwhelming experience for anyone who's experienced going to like the race expo and the, the, the pre-race dinner. And I mean, the fact that Mike Wardian's running this and Dean's running this and everything like that, like it's just yeah. take this thing serious. And I, I believe everybody who's intent on finishing this thing will finish, but like understand what you're getting yourself into. So yeah. One by pushing through and getting through those hard moments. And I heard this from someone and I think it was on ultra runner podcast and I can't remember who said mm-hmm. it. And I wish I could, cause I've thought about this so much, but basically this runner, she, she talked about, she was basically like, whenever I line up at a start line, I I know I'm going to learn a lesson. I don't know what that lesson is going to be, but I know mm-hmm. it's going to, I'm going to learn it. And I think that's mm-hmm. an important mindset to take into account. And I also think along with that line up at the start line and be like, this is not going to be easy or pain free. Like I know this is going to be tough and I accept that at the beginning because you're not going to have the perfect day. It's not going to be the perfect race. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not going to finish and be like, wow, I could run (laughs) more miles. And you're like, no, man, you're not going to finish that because you're going to put it all out on the line, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that mindset is huge to have. And it's, it develops the more ultras you run and the more times you challenge yourself in any aspect of life really. But 
but that first one, man, like if you know that going in and you also have the mindset of like, I am going to finish this no matter what, no matter what the obstacles are, because there will be obstacles, I'm going to get this done. Like that's, that is what's going to propel you towards the finish line. Um, Absolutely, man. Along with my last tip, which is mm-hmm. when you're training, dude, train your stomach too, because, mm-hmm. you know, we've heard so many stories and experienced also probably <laughs> like I was going to, I was going to input, but I'll let you, I'll let you continue dude. <laughs> the moment where your stomach turns, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, your stomach might turn if you're not trained up on what you're eating and how you digest because eating and being able to keep everything down is such a huge part in ultras. So definitely train that up, figure out what works for you because everything's different. You could listen to a bunch of podcasts about like a billion different things. People eat everything from like, uh, you know, the, the race nutrition goos or whatever, like, I don't know, like the drinks with calories in it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? <laughs> to like uh, cake frosting, you know what I mean? Or like <laughs> pizza or whatever, you yeah. know, like yeah. there's so many different types of food, but figure out what works for you. And then also be aware of, and I'm sure marathon racers do this as well. I just have never personally been a marathon racer, but be aware of your electrolytes. Like, how are you going to get electrolytes in so you're not cramping? And you got to almost be in this constant battle of like, you're staying one step ahead of your body cramping up or, mm-hmm. or running out of energy or running out of hydration, things like that. Mm-hmm. So. There's something I was going to say real quick is uh, running that first ultra and, and coming into like the aid station. I mean, I was... I almost felt it was kind of like sacrilegious because I mean, there was like pizza and there was chicken noodle soup and there was quesadillas quesadillas and pierogies and M&Ms and Swedish fish and Sour Patch Kids. And I mean, there was, it was a smorgasbord and I'm just like, I thought runners like ate clean and like, you know, this, we can't be eating these things. And meanwhile, people are just like, like you were saying, like peanut butter M&Ms with like bacon and like, you're just eating all sorts of crazy nonsense. And like, the thing I just go back to personally is like when you and I ran the stage race last summer, you know, every day we would have to like pack our lunch. And on that really big day on Thursday, for some reason, like my gut was just telling my brain, like, you know, you're fine with the gels, you're fine with the goose and like water. And like, when you're pushing yourself to these extreme limits, like where I crashed and burned was I I did not eat my sandwich. And like, sometimes you don't feel like eating, you know, these natural, not natural, like these, these normal kind of junk food or like splurge food or whatever. But I would just say, I think I brought this up on an earlier podcast too, is like, if you're ever being a parent or if you're ever working with kids as a teacher, like by the time a child tells you they're thirsty, they're already dehydrated. It's too late. Yeah. Too late. So like you need to keep, you, you don't want to obviously drink too much water, be too hydrated, but it's this, it's this delicate balancing act of like, even if you don't feel that you're hungry and you haven't eaten something in an hour, two hours, like yeah. you don't want to like force feed yourself, but you definitely need to stay on top of the, the, the nutrition. You know, it's yeah. very, very important. If you, if your body starts physically shutting down, you can't, it, it's kind of hard to get back from that. So, yeah. Well, yeah. it's, it's, that's the important details to work out during training. Absolutely. You know, training is not just the distance, the time, anything like that, your speed. It's all, it, it's also, 
figuring out your nutrition, your electrolytes, all that stuff. So the most important thing for, for anyone who's running the Marine Corps marathon 50 K as their first 50 K it is not, I'm, I'm telling you from personal experience, your time of running that 50 K you are not going to care about your time. It doesn't matter if you run it in five hours. It doesn't matter if you run it in eight hours. The only thing you're going to come away from that day is whether you finish that race or not. And there's many of ultra runners elites who have DNF did not finish. Yeah. All I'm saying is it does not matter what your time was. It doesn't matter what the weather was. It doesn't matter who you ran into or, you know, whatever it's ultimately going to be if you finished and that feeling is something we all have experienced as ultra runners or marathon runners. And like, I just want to ensure, I think it's so important that like we're getting the word out there about the Marine Corps 50 K, but it's like, it's great that 1700 people have, have registered for this thing. How awesome, how bodacious would it be if there was 1700 finishers, you know? Yeah. Like it's one thing to say you put on this event, but like, let's get people, let's give the people the information they need and like, you know, talk to fellow runners join a running community. Like you got six, six months is more than enough time. Yeah. Anyone who is serious enough to, to get online and to battle, to register for this thing should have enough wherewithal to get themselves to where they need to be for race day. And like, I think that's the most important thing to take yeah. away. So for sure, man. And you guys are going to have an adventure, which is awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. And how many years till Oprah signs up for the 50 K? No one knows. Who knows? Chris, Chris Ward is calling Oprah Winfrey out. Today. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, Phil, thank yeah. you. Thanks again for setting this up, dude. Uh, I really appreciate it, Phil. Like we're, you're going to come out in a few months and uh, we're going to get ready for this stage race we're doing in the desert round two. Um, but we'll definitely do uh, a few more podcasts, you know, in that time. So should be sweet. Chris, Chris, by now I probably like thanked you like three or four times during this podcast, but I honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously very passionate and, uh, I, I love the Marine Corps marathon. I love everything about what they're putting on. Uh, without a doubt, I would have registered to run this 50 K and like, I cannot thank you enough from like the bottom of my heart, like what it means. Not many people have the opportunity to sit down with the race director of, any race for that matter, but for like the rate, like their favorite race, you know? So (laughs) I just, I love everything that you're doing and like the amount of people that you're reaching and you're following your passion and you really, really inspire me. And I I can't thank you enough. So that rocks, man. I guess that we should also say like, I, you know, I'm terrible at self promotion. So you guys should go back and check out some of the other episodes of like a Bigfoot podcast. (laughs) There we are, man. We're like an hour and a half into the show and I finally said it. So yeah, you're, you're following, you're following what you and I were talking offline and it's like, you are doing this podcast like solely for your passion of not only for running, but for people taking on adventures or for yeah. people doing ex- extreme things. And like, if, if only everybody could have like an ounce of the passion and the drive that you have to do something that you, that you love to do, like it's not about ultra running. It's, it's not about the things you do day to day. It's like, this is what you're doing aside from all that other stuff that you're doing. Yeah. And I, you inspire me so much, dude. Like if I ever need more energy or something, I'm like, well, you know, Chris is probably sitting down to have a podcast with Mike Wardian or something. And I'm like, (laughs) so anyway, man, just keep up doing what you're doing. You, I I love it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. You inspire me too, man. You All know, right. I'll never forget those sunburns you had at Desert Rock. 
and the fact that you that was like day two and you were able to push through like that's pretty and dude i've told so many seventh graders about your blood blister yeah yeah <laughs> if, if i can inspire you with my sunburns and blood blisters then my life is complete chris Ford. i'm just kidding dude you inspire me just as a human being like you're no, I, I, I know like, i know dude herb. just you're incredible man like dude you know, there's been a rare few people who I've wanted to come on and co-host with me and, you know, invited on multiple times. And dude, I would have you on like literally every single week if we could actually make it happen. Like that'd be freaking sweet. But yeah, man. So keep doing what you're doing too, man. Like I got to say like every, every person I've met, like every person you meet has the opportunity to inspire you if you let them. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like you're a special dude. So thanks, man. It's about people realizing that that specialness that you feel about me or that specialness that I feel about you. Like, I think a major takeaway too is that like we all have that ability and there's, there's yeah. things that we do. If you feel driven or compelled to like do something, it's, it's probably like your genetics or it's probably the universe like telling you like maybe you should devote a little bit more time to that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I just, I really appreciate just running into you, meeting you, getting to know you better and stuff. And likewise, man. Yeah, dude. Sweet. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up. Uh, right. Thank you for listening. Come back next week. Phil, thanks again. Rick, Brett, Ashley, you guys rock and uh, keep up all the good work. Hoorah. <laughs>